In this edition of Hoopsology, we welcome women's basketball analyst Rachel Galligan onto the show to discuss the upcoming WNBA draft, and she provides a full preview of who's going to be going number one. She also breaks down what the WNBA was like inside the bubble and previews what fans can expect this season. Aside now, this interview was conducted before the WNBA schedule was released. And now, Rachel Galligan. She is a writer and women's basketball analyst. We now welcome Rachel Galligan onto Hoopsology. How's it going? I'm good. I'm good. Happy to be here. Excited to be here chatting hoops with you guys as we're entering into uh, draft week. I had to, had to represent with my hat a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I'm doing great. Happy to be here. Thanks for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Um, Rachel, before we hop into the the WNBA draft, there's been some late-breaking news in regards to the Minnesota Lynx um, with Alex Rodriguez and Mark Lohr um, finalizing a deal to buy not only the Lynx but the Timberwolves also. What are your initial thoughts on this? Do you think – is there any kind of uh, effect this will have on the WNBA? What was your initial impressions on hearing this news? You know, it's – I'm going to be honest. It's not something that I've really – read a ton about I think I saw it yesterday Saturday um, for the first time and it was kind of a little bit of a same similar reaction to when I found out about the aces being sold um, I think you know the first question is well how does this impact the links um, and what what does this mean um, but everything that I've kind of seen just the reaction of it so far has been really positive um, anyone who follows the WNBA knows that the Minnesota Lynx is a powerhouse and a franchise in itself so um, I take it as a positive. You know, I'm anxious to learn more about it. Um, can't really speak a ton on it right now. But I think for me, my initial reaction was this is a good thing. Gotcha. Um, let's hop into the WNBA draft. And I think I can speak for myself. I think the, the league has been at its hottest right okay. right now in terms of everything going yeah. on. What are you expecting in in the WNBA draft, not only in the players selected, but also in coverage too? Because the scene on ESPN, it's run the gamut of just it being in ESPN's own television studios. I think they've done it through, I think, one of the stores. You know, it doesn't, I guess, comparing it to the men's game, doesn't have that same fanfare, which I've had a personal beef with just in terms of respecting, you know, each league equally. So what are you expecting in terms of just the players being selected and kind of the, the draft coverage itself? I think the coverage leading up to it's been um, as high as we've ever seen. I mean, I remember just kind of like, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, just the lack of coverage. I remember a really quick show. They, they would give them like, you know, 20, 25 minutes on ESPN, boom, boom, boom. It, and it went like you blinked and it was over. And last year, uh, the 2020 draft, you know, obviously very different with it being uh, during, you know, COVID and everything. But I felt like there was a ton of hype around that, a ton of buildup leading into it, I think that that momentum has only continued. Um, and I think especially, I mean, I've referenced the, the women's NCAA tournament a ton. I mean, the coverage that we saw um, that was really pushed this year, it was more than we'd, I, mean, I can't remember any, a time when I would stay on and watch sports center and there was coverage immediately following the women's tournament. That was groundbreaking to me. So I, I think that momentum only naturally carries over when it comes to the WNBA especially when it's such a short gap between the two. And I think we've seen more hype around this draft than we ever have. Um, I'd be curious if anyone feels differently, but I mean, I've seen more mock drafts, version 4.0, version 8.0. I mean, I I wrote one for the first time for an outlet that I was kind of covering. Um, So I think that it's going to just continue to build. Uh, I feel really good about where it's at. I think it's obviously, are we satisfied? No. 
Uh, but I, I've, I'm excited to kind of see what um, Thursday night's going to bring from a coverage standpoint. Obviously, it being virtually, we'll have to see. But um, hopefully, we get some really good in-depth analysis. Hopefully, we get you know some some of the players um, joining in. But this this draft in itself, I can't remember a time where it was this talked about. Can you give us some things to look for in the draft, some some key players and teams to look out for for what they're going to do in the draft? Well, first and foremost, I mean, Dallas having four of the, the, the top 12 picks or four of the first round picks is insane. So that's just fascinating to me. I mean, you know, just stockpiling picks at this point. I think a lot of us have questioned, man, are we going to see a trade? maybe leading up to it, um, you know, with it being less than a week away, you've got a question, could there be some um, draft day trading that goes on? I think that's always a possibility, but I mean, um, who they decide to go with, with number one, I mean, like the general consensus across the board has been about Charlie Collier out of Texas and the, the junior decided to declare early, which wasn't a great, a great surprise to anybody, but um, you know, there's, I think there's, a lot of a lot of hype around her, but there's also some room for some debate. I mean, could we see a surprise where someone else ends up going at number one, um, or does Dallas just kind of stockpile those first two picks and kind of go Charlie Collier and a walk from Finland, which is kind of what everyone is feeling like could happen? Um, we'll see. Um, or is there someone else, you know, someone that hasn't really been talked about as the number one pick? I mean, Ari McDonald from Arizona. Out of, out of any player, in my opinion, her stock rose more than anybody during that NCAA tournament. What she was able to do as a leader for her Arizona team. And um, she's got to be, I mean, if she's not a lottery pick, she's got to be right on the outside of it at four. Uh, so those would be, you know, Charlie Collier. I'm a big international fan. So I think uh, you, you throw in some elements that, you know, the NCAA gave everybody an extra year or an option to have an extra year. So we actually don't have as many players declared for this draft as there normally would be. I think it's around 57 um, that that number might have changed. So really there's not as many players to pick from as years pass because some players did decide to stay their fifth year or that extra year. Um, but there's also, in my opinion, is as limited number of roster spots as there's ever been. So it's not a terrible decision. Uh, a lot of these players, many of the, even the first round picks won't make a roster. So going to be really interesting, especially I think we, we look at those first eight um, and, and what that order is. I personally love a walk cure from, from Finland. She's super talented. I've watched her since she was very young, just had her on our podcast last week and very, um, very exciting future for her. She's just 19 years old. Uh, but those, you know, Dana Evans from Louisville, phenomenal competitor, um, has really elevated her game and proven that, you know, she can be a dominant force, a dominant scoring force. Arella Garantes from Rutgers, just a pure scorer. Um, a lot of those teams, especially in the lottery, from the lottery section, just need some scoring. Uh, so those would be the names that I would focus on, at least in those, those top five, five or six picks. Rachel, um, I want you to take us back to the, the WNBA bubble. And I think that was so, it was so revolutionary on many uh, facets, including the coverage itself. Because to me, it was the first time, and, and Matt will attest to this because I've had many conversations with him that's about like really complaining about ESPN's coverage as a whole. But it was the first time I saw them actually 
put in times to longer form packages of the players, deeper analysis during the halftime shows, really respecting the league, I believe, for the first time. So can you just take us in just what you thought of overall, just covering the league itself during the WNBA bubble, what the players were going through. And now, you know, even though it seems like the lights at the end of the, com- at the, end of the tunnel regarding the pandemic, you know, we're still not seeing fans at 100% capacity at a lot of sporting events. It's still going to be, you know, a little bit strange until maybe 2022. So yeah. what was kind of your opinion in terms of what the players were going through in, inside the WNBA bubble, um, just in terms of the fear in regards to just this pandemic happening, not to mention the big social justice movement in which the, the WNBA players were at in the forefront of a, for years for sure. um, in sports, yeah. of course. Yeah, I mean, last last summer season, the 2020 season was um, just, I mean, what an emotionally charged season. What a challenging season of, of a lot of adversity, a lot of emotion, a lot of struggle. Um, I have to really tip my hat to the women of the league for being such leaders, um, you know, on the social justice front and everything that, that these women are willing to put um, on the line um, to, to fight for equality and to fight for um, what, what is right? You know, we're, we're seeing a huge movement, in my opinion, you know, like the, the National Women's Soccer League has been phenomenal with it. The WNBA using their voices in a way that is just revolutionary. And I'm, I'm proud to um, really stand alongside a league that, you know, makes me proud to be a, a woman and makes me proud to be someone that's passionate about this game. And, and I think, you know, and then you throw on top of that, like you're saying, the pandemic and this bubble. And I really have to compliment the league. Um, were things perfect? No. You know, were there a lot of complaints and things that were needed to be addressed early on, none of us knew what that was going to look like. And especially all of us on the outside looking in, you know, we never stepped foot in that bubble. We don't know what that was like day in and day out. Um, I think we continue to hear stories. Here we are, you know, close to a year later about how mentally challenging that was and how mentally taxing it was What from anybody involved with the team, from the players to the coaching staffs, um, you know, just the monotony of it and not being able to ha- feel a sense of normalcy in your life. Now, I'll take it a step further and say, yes, all of us were kind of feeling that in one way or another, right? Being kind of stuck at home and not being able to go do the things we want to do. But um, I think that the league, t- t- to kind of be the blueprint um, t- to what a bubble could could be, what that looked like. I think there were a lot of skeptics on if they could even be pulled off, if this was even safe. Uh, so I really have to tip my hat to the league. Um, I, I want to obviously compliment the, the, the women who were there and who stuck it out and, and really uh, just, just went to work every single day. I can't imagine what those challenges were. And um, I know and one half, you know, you have to be happy that you're playing, but on the other front, you know, you're probably having a lot of mental struggles of not being able to be a little more present and doing the things that, you know, you would typically get to do. So um, I, I've really enjoyed hearing a lot of the stories and a lot of the thoughts um, after the fact. Um, I think the common theme that I've heard from players and coaches has just been, man, this, it was, it was very difficult and we really don't know if we can do that again you know, like to bubble again in that way would be probably far too much to ask, at least in back-to-back years. You know, I don't think anybody wants to do that. I think that that the league is really pushing to find a way to do this in a, you know, a a, a way where people can be at home in their beds 
um, and, and travel in a way that's, you know, as, as safe for this this league as possible. And that brings up the, the topic of equality, of how the NBA travels versus how the WNBA travels. I mean, we, we could talk about that till the cows come home, but the, the, these women don't have the luxury unless they're going to surprise us with some sort of news that, that they can fly uh, private. But these women have to fly commercial just like the rest of us if they want to get from one city to another. And that, that, that poses a lot of concerns. So um, still question marks on what this season looks like, but I, I really have to compliment and just, I'm really in awe of everybody who was able to pull that off last summer. You know, I, I really was. And I, I think that it was very, very, um, what's the right word? Just powerful. You know, it's powerful across the board to see how strong these women are um, to, to go through that, to continue to put their head down, go to work every day and continue to be that voice for change. Um, it just made me extremely proud. One of the things we saw um, in line with kind of the extra effort that went into that and maybe the extra toll, uh, you know, you mentioned from from like a mental fatigue standpoint, um, yeah. spiritual, emotional fatigue standpoint. But, you know, one of the maybe silver linings that we saw was that we did see a ratings increase. That's something that Justin and I like to look at a lot. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I love your thoughts on that as far as, I mean, was was the ratings increase um, you know, simply the the depth of the league, which you mentioned, it is a very deep league uh, with very few roster spots. Is that is it kind of a buildup of that coming to fruition? Um, are there other factors uh, that maybe contributed to the ratings increasing? What, what were kind of your thoughts in seeing those ratings increase? I, I think that's a really good question. I think it's really cool to analyze. I'd be curious your guys' thoughts on it, too. But for me, I, I look at it because I cover both college and WNBA. Um, I really feel like the women's NCAA tournament these last four or five years has just been phenomenal. Um, And I would even, I've heard heard from countless people that they've enjoyed it more than the men's. And that's kind of been the common theme. You know, we think about some of these shots that we saw, you know, um, the last few years from Enrique to Morgan Liam. I mean, unbelievable moments that were just, eye-catching to so many people. And I really think that the momentum of the college game, I'm not saying this is the whole reason, but I think there's been a ton of momentum from the women's college game and the way that it's been covered on a national scale, especially the tournament, carries over to the WNBA. Um, And I also think social media plays a huge role in it. I mean, we have seen so many influential names across both both levels. And a lot of those, uh, like Taya Cooper, huge following on social media. You know, she has a huge presence. She is, she is culturally bringing in so many new fans, right? And that's transcending not just what she was able to do in college, but now the WNBA. So I think you have the collegiate aspect of it. I think you have this kind of social media influencer aspect that a lot of these women have built for themselves and that is kind of carrying over. Um, but I also just think for me, like when I was a little kid, we knew on Sunday that I'd get back from church and I'd have my lunch. And we knew that there was going to be some WNBA game on that afternoon. I knew it would be on ESPN and there was kind of a consistency standpoint. I think we got away from that. And, and for whatever reason, finding games or understanding where you could even watch a WNBA game, WNBA game got really difficult. You really had to um, stay on top of that. Now, I think the last few years, the visibility is better. (laughs) Is it where I want it to be? No, but you have a little more consistency with the WNBA league pass, which is a great deal. It's like 
nothing to be able to have access to these games. Now you've got games that are able to be streamed on Twitter, which we haven't really seen a ton of before. And now I really think that, you know, between ESPN and their broadcast partners, they're starting to show um, games a little more consistently. Before I felt like it was so sporadic, you know, it'd be like a random Monday night and no one knew when to watch it. And that was always the, the common theme that I would hear from young players or different sports fans that I would talk to. Like, I don't know where to watch this at. I think that's getting better. (laughs) Um, But I think the consistency aspect and just being able to have great games um, on an, on the national scale on ESPN, on ESPN two, on those flagship stations, the more we can have of that and the more uh, consistency we can have, it's only going to get better. I think it's improved. Um, I think this year it's only going to get even better. Yeah, Rachel, I, I agree with you. And as I said earlier, my my beef with ESPN with its coverage of the WNBA, it's just the little things in terms of just reading highlights in sure, the way that yeah. they read a highlight compared to an NBA game. It's yeah. it's just not the same. And not only that, this analysis too. You I mean there's tons of analysis on a random NBA game, none for a WNBA game, not to mention the, the slate of debate shows, not really even discussing the WNBA compared to other sports on our network in which they are talking about it. And I, and to me, like I'm, like, I'm a big fight fan. I'm a big UFC fan. But for a long time, UFC wasn't on their network. And they're bashing it. And yet with the WNBA, here's something that's on their network for years and no mention of any coverage. So their, their coverage has been pretty baffling. In, in my humble opinion, and I'm glad with the with the bubble, finally there was actually some some change to that. Um, and I want to highlight like Maria Taylor. I thought she did a really good right. job with her pieces too um, oh, in, yeah. inside the bubble. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So I, I think um, just hopefully that becomes a trend and not just an anomaly for this season. And I want to ask you, uh, we have the date for the draft. You mentioned it's um, this this Thursday, April 15th, depending on when, you, when you're listening or watching this. But there hasn't been a date for the announcement of the WNBA season yet. So I'm just wondering, why has why is that the case? Is that unusual or is there something, um, is it should be taken as, hey, we should just be patient in terms of getting that release date? I don't know if I should say this or not, but hey, why not give a little breaking news? No, I'm kidding. Um, I know <laughs> that the, the, the sources close to the matter, you know, the schedule was going to come out uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, there was there was issues. Um, there were some things that I felt I didn't feel like I, I have nothing to do with it. But um, you know, you're dealing with how do we make this fair? Um, how do we make this safe? Um, and I think that there's been a lot of conversation and discussion on what does that look like? Now, we don't get to know because we're not in those rooms, right? And we don't really necessarily think about well, what would it be like for, you know, say you kept the games on on certain coasts, you know, and you weren't flying, um, you know, from New York to L.A. And you're trying to do this kind of in a gridded, condensed manner before you start crossing the entire country and travel and things like that. So I think that there are some logistic pieces and some safety concerns um, because they're they're not bubbling, you know, as, as it was last year, uh, just trying to make this right. And they want to get it right. Um, they want it to be fair to everybody as, as much as humanly possible um, from a logistics standpoint. So I, I think that that's kind of what this comes down to. If it were this, this were a normal year and we weren't in the middle of a pandemic, the schedule would already have been released. I think it's probably really close. Um, but I think that we need to be, you know, 
a little bit patient and, you know, understanding of, as to what this league and the teams and, are, are trying to kind of work out together. And I'm sure I can't imagine the challenges trying to build a schedule with your, the limitations this league requires, you know, so I think it's going to come out really soon. And I think the only reason is it's been delayed is just trying to get it right, trying to get it fair and trying to keep everybody, you know, as happy as possible. Yeah, I think it's it's just kind of frustrating in a way because you know you we mentioned the the kind of positive momentum that's been built in the bubble yeah. and everything and um, you know it's it's kind of like when the NBA uh, was releasing their schedule or whatever it was it was just kind of like this is happening in December here yeah. we go you know I, I'd like to, in in some sense the same I, I guess kind of like security or, or the same assuredness with the WNBA schedule as well. Um, you know, but obviously there, there's stuff I I'm not privy to. Um, I wanted to ask, you know, given kind of on a more positive note, the, the positive momentum that we've seen, what are your thoughts on expansion in the league? Is that something you'd like to see in the future? And is, is that something where, is there a certain, I guess, kind of like benchmark in terms of rating revenue, those types of things that you'd like to see happen um, that might meet the conditions for expansion? Or should we just focus on what we have now, which is a very deep, talented league? God, it's it's hard, you know, because Good question. You, I know. Sorry. <laughs> you, you want it to happen. We all feel like there is a a need for it. Right. Like you know, we talk about 144 players when really it's not 144 players because you're going to have teams like the Connecticut Sun who are going to have to play with 10 this year just based on their salary cap. So as we talk about how difficult it is to make a team, right? And um, I think we are building up to it. There's no question in my mind. Um, I don't know, you know, without, it's so hard. You know, you, you don't ever have any numbers. You don't know exactly what the league is making. You don't exactly know the pieces it's 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 all very unknown right we're all out here as media or fans trying to speculate like could is this even feasible it, you know, is it possible that we could have this right now we all feel like it could because we feel the momentum that is building up around this game which is a wonderful thing i think it's i think it will happen um i don't know if it's something that you know is a year or two down the road maybe something a little bit further out but i mean there there are you, you know, the, I did a piece, and I know a lot of people have about expansion markets and wh- where where would that be? What does that look like? I think that the two that really come to mind are the, the Bay Area, um, Oakland area, um, and Philadelphia. I mean, those those two areas are hotbeds for basketball, uh, especially Philly. I mean, you've got such a reach there, and there is such a market for the game, and there's a market for women, just grassroots women bas- women's basketball in general that's so big there. Um, so I, I think we've identified the top kind of areas that this would look really good in. Uh, I just, I don't know when, I don't know how, um, I, again, I would like to believe that it's just a few years away. Um, and I, I would love to see more players, you know, I, I don't want to continue to go down a, a, you know, a draft class where just, you know, maybe the top six or seven make a roster and everyone else is, packing their bags to go overseas and, you know, best of luck competing over there um, and showing that you're able to do this. So um, that my frustration with that is just, there's not a ton of transparency in terms of what does this league actually generate? And 
how far away are we from that? I think to me, it's a huge question mark. I, I, I don't know. Um, I can only go off the momentum that I think all, all three of us feel, and it feels like we're inching closer to it. But I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm curious your guys' thoughts on that. Um, I think Matt and I kind of have a vested interest in the expansion because we live in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So um, oh, yeah. huge okay. fan base for women's basketball. So I I guess I think I can speak for Matt. We had the uh, Thunderbirds. I know Matt had season tickets for the G League and had a pretty decent following when they were here. So a WNBA team in Albuquerque, I think we do very well. But it, it seems like the WNBA wants to tie into the new franchises with existing NBA franchises. And I'll confess, in terms of living here all my life, it, attracting just professional sports teams into New Mexico has not been our forte as a, as a city and a state, to say the least. So I think certainly, even though if there were interest from the WNBA, I think from a local standpoint, I, we would struggle to really pull it off. I think it kind of takes two to tangle. But to your point for the, of expansion, yeah, I, I, I think the markets you have mentioned, um, I completely agree. Those are probably the two hotbeds. I guess my question for you would be, would they be interested in expanding in markets that are not tied to an NBA franchise? Because if that's the case, I think there's a lot of opportunity for growth there, specifically, you know, in Matt and I's neck of the woods. Yeah, I agree. And I, I, don't, I don't think that's talked about enough. Or what are the markets that are not tied with an NBA franchise? You know, like New Mexico, that's a that's a phenomenal point. I mean, I'm in Denver and I've, I've lived on this area of the country along with Arizona. I've seen um, the, the opportunity there is here out West uh, for, for, you know, more professional sports just in general, because it's, it's a little more difficult to get to them, right? We all can't just hop in the car and go drive three hours to Chicago and watch the sky play. Um, but where are those markets where it's not directly tied to the NBA team? Honestly, I think a Nashville would be a really cool one. Yeah. Tennessee has a long, rich history of um, basketball. I mean, Tennessee Lady Balls, for instance. I mean, summer, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame. And uh, you have a, a really massive market that is booming there, just in general, um, where, you know, I feel like a city like that could really wrap their arms around this league and really embrace them in a way that, you know, is, is something different. I don't think it has to be tied with an NBA franchise. Now, I mean, you you have the facilities, you have uh, the perks of being tied with an NBA team. But if there was someone who was willing to buy and invest in this um, and put this in a market where it could really just take off, I don't see why that's not possible at this point. Um, Rachel, I wanted to ask you specifically the upcoming season and Sabrina Inescu. Um, I just, I, I remember the time watching that game of her debut and seeing her just get hurt. It was, it was so brutal. Um, what do you expect overall from her, but also just the season as a whole um, in terms of favorites, any players that stand out to you, any storylines that fans should watch out for, especially those who are maybe giving the WNBA a try for the first time whenever the season uh, yeah. kicks off? I'm, I'm excited for this season. I'm excited for it to feel a little more normal um, with everybody being able to play at home, um, in front of their fans, we just unveiled these new jerseys, which has brought in a ton of hype. You know, people love the gear. They love the jerseys. People want to invest in those and buy those and be a part of it. I think they did a phenomenal job with that. Uh, but this season, man, I mean, it's, it's hard for me because there's so much movement, right? Like, I have to constantly remind myself, okay, she's now with them. This, this, they, they traded for this. So, I mean, it, it's going to look completely different, not to mention – 
you throw on players who didn't even play last season because they took a medical opt out of um, because of the pandemic. I mean, Elena Deladon, the best player in the world, in my opinion, you know, getting an opportunity to watch her back in D.C. Liz Cambage, the most dominant center in the world, you know, being back with Las Vegas. Um, you know, we, we weren't able to see everybody compete last summer. Um, and so now I'm, I'm looking forward to not only just a lot of the movement that's taken place, uh, as we're, we see a lot of these players in, in new uniforms, but just players that we didn't get a chance to see last year. I think the biggest one is the Chicago Sky. I mean, they were able to um, kill free agency. Uh, they, they were able to sign on Candace Parker in free agency. Anyone who has followed the league for a long time, you know, she would be considered uh, former MVP, you know, really has been a cornerstone of the league, uh, true legend of the league. And she is from Chicago, um, has been, spent her entire career in L.A., now has returned to Chicago and will be in a Sky uniform. And, and I mean, the Chicago Sky are trending upward. James Wade has done a phenomenal job with this roster. Um, you've got Courtney Vandersloot and Allie Quigley, and you've got Diamond to Shields, an exciting, you know, kind of young athlete that is really still coming into her own. Uh, and then you throw on Candace Parker, and, and this roster is primed for a really intense run. I think they've got to be in conversation in top three. Um, the Las Vegas Aces, Asia Wilson, the returning MVP. I mean, she's just a straight bucket. Like, I love Asia. She, she's She's willing to throw the team on her back and just go to work and do what that do what she needs to do. Um, you, but then you, if you return Liz Cambage on with her, how does that dynamic look a little bit? They also signed Chelsea Gray, one of the top point guards in the league, um, who came over from LA. So Vegas, I think, is probably the favorites headed into the season. I, I, I mean, a lot would probably agree with me on that. I think you have a whole new genetic makeup of the Los Angeles Sparks. I mean, you had a roster that was really together for a long time and. In my opinion, it was a little stale. Uh, I, I love the changes. You know, I love seeing Candace in Chicago. I love seeing Chelsea in Las Vegas. I think those are two great fits. And I love that Los Angeles now kind of gets to continue to build around, um, you know, their 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 MVP and Neka Ogumake, but but also get younger. You know, kind of kind of turn over this roster a little bit. Get a get a little bit of a fresher look. And you've got Erica Wheeler who's coming back. She was um, MVP at All-Star Game a couple years ago, did not play last season. She's hungry. She's got a chip on her shoulder. She's going to bring a ton of energy to L.A. Um, you know, I, I don't know that you put them in contention this year, but it's it's going to be a fresh new look, and that is exciting to me. I mean, I could go I could go down the board. Um, I think the last one I would talk about would be New York. I mean, Sabrina and SQ returning, she is just – Unbelievable. I mean, you, you know, that's one that's that, that's the type of player. It's, it's one in a million, you know, from a mentality standpoint, what she brings to the game and the eyes she's single-handedly brought to women's basketball. So it's definitely excited to see what she can do, but they signed um, the nine, the Nigel Laney, um, Natasha Howard. I mean, that's going to be a completely revamped New York roster as well. We're, we're no longer talking about them as a bottom team in this league. Like in my opinion, if they don't finish in the middle part. Like that's a failure. So a lot of new looks, um, a lot of new, uh, a lot of changes. I think Minnesota is extremely dominant. Uh, they, they, Cheryl Reeve has done a phenomenal job. You can't leave them out of the top conversation of contention around Crystal Dangerfield, and they signed Kayla McBride from Las Vegas. Um, but those would be the teams I think that they really, they really got my attention, and I, I personally am excited to see LA versus Chicago. That matchup throughout the season will be fun. Is is you know, Candace gets a chance to play against her own, own old team. 
for sure. And I think we've seen uh, Candace just be out there as just a media personality as well. Yeah. Um, her along with um, Shanae um, as well mm-hmm. on ESPN. What what do you think of um, just seeing the WNBA players on more media platforms to um, have their voices heard? I think that's something that I see an increase uh, within this pandemic era, um, just seeing them on the forefront and just with Candace and particularly on, you know, NBA and TNT and just yeah. kind of being the counter for Shaq's just somewhat insane comments. <laughs> Sometimes um, there's Candace always there to kind of check them. So with the, with this, the scene that kind of trend take place, do you think that will have a more of a positive reflection on, on the WNBA as a whole moving forward as well? Sure. I mean, how could it not? I mean, Candace Parker is just really taken off. Same with Shanae. I mean, she's all, I mean, every, every time I turn on, t- on the TV, I right. see her and I think it's phenomenal. <laughs> I mean, what a, what a great representative, both of them of the women's game and, and how intelligent they both are. You know, the analysis that they bring, uh, the perspective that they provide is is incredible. I think you got to throw Renee Montgomery in there. Now she's yes. retired, but what she's doing, and that was a part owner of the Atlanta Dream, but she's been really great in the media space and will continue to. I mean, just I was listening to her cover some of the college games, the women's games, and, and just um, learning. You know, I love learning from these players who've done it. They've they're continuing to do it and they have this fresh new perspective that we haven't heard before. So I think it's really groundbreaking. I think you've got a really great core group of uh, either players or former players who are just dominating the space right now. I, I hope we continue to see more of it. Well, Rachel, thank you very much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Really enjoyed the chat. Can you please let our listeners and viewers know where they can find you on social media and also what you're up to um, just in this coming year as well? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty active on Twitter, um, just at RachGal on Twitter. Um, I like to kind of just put my thoughts out there and, and break my news out there. Um, right now, I, I'm working just solely with Winsider. You guys have maybe heard me on my podcast. Me, me and my co-host, R.A. Schwartz, love having players and coaches and GMs on, uh, usually weekly. So make sure you check us out at Winsider. But honestly, the best place is on Twitter, just at RachGal. Awesome, Rachel. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, I'm sure this is not the last time we'll uh, chop it up with you about the uh, WNBA. As I'm looking forward to this season. I think Mac uh, probably thinks the same. Um, so thank you very much for coming on the show. Of course, have me anytime. Thank you, Rachel. Yeah, thank you for that awesome analysis, too. Really appreciate that. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to the show. As always, you can get in touch with the podcast through email with hoopsologypod at gmail.com. Also, we are on all social media platforms. Please leave us a review on iTunes and check out our YouTube channel. See you next week.